the Business Buzz Podcast. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VOW FM 88.1. My name is Mudio Mob Justice Gawaz and I'll be your host until 7 p.m. It's a Thursday. The time has just gone by 6 p.m., which means it's time for us to give you your weekly roundup of business and economics news right here on your favorite radio station. That's Voice of Vits FM. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein and we're going to be in studio with you until 7 p.m. So definitely make sure you don't turn that dial. For today's show, it's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, we're going to be talking around Dacha, cannabis, weed, marijuana, happy grass, the herb, whatever words you want to use to describe it, we're going to be talking about um, the business and industry around cannabis, and we're going to be talking about um, the legalization of uh, cannabis in South Africa right now, and what it actually could mean for our local business environment. Um, as some of you might actually know, um, the first um, medical marijuana dispensary was recently opened. Uh, it should be in Durban, if I remember correctly. Um, so the, the forays into the industry and what it actually means and what it's going to be looking like, whether that's for medical recreational use, are already starting. And we're going to be talking to some experts around what this could mean for our economy. So definitely make sure you keep it locked. It's going to be quite an interesting show. Uh, so definitely make sure you don't turn that dial as I said. Also coming up for the next hour, we're going to be giving you our business wrap. Uh, today we have our financial expert Ken Swettenham who's going to be talking to us a little bit around uh, some of the growth, uh, the, some of the growth reports that Standard recently uh, uh, brought out. So definitely uh, tune in for that. And then on the other side of that, we're going to be talking uh, the state of your 100 rand in our Buffalo Index. In terms of keeping in touch with us and joining in the conversation you can tell us whether or not you are in support of uh, the legalization of uh, cannabis in South Africa and whether you would enter and become an entrepreneur in the cannabis space. Uh, you can talk to us uh, on uh, Voice of Vits FM, that's 88.1. Uh, we have our own Facebook page, that's uh, Vits Radio Academy. You can find our content there. On Twitter, we are at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz, and then 0840784912. That is our WhatsApp line. You can also stream the session live, that's VowFM.co.za. And remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz show will be available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. And remember that uh, we are available, uh, the Vits Radio Academy as a whole, we are available on iTunes. And you can also find us specifically, and uh, that's the Business Buzz there. So make sure you keep it locked. We're here, as I said, until 7 o'clock. So don't turn that down. On the other side of this, we get into our business wrap. Justice on the business bars. It's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's uh, trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by our financial expert, Ken Swettenham, to give us that roundup. How are you, Ken? I'm very well this evening, and yourself, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Um, last week, we spoke a lot around uh, some of the growth figures that had recently been um, released, and I understand that this week, uh, Standlib is actually giving us some outlook and some of the things that could help us to spur on some of the economic growth. That, that's right. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be... Uh, I, I get a lot of mail from Standlib with a lot of great information on it. 
And uh, just a day or two ago, we got the, the commentary from their chief economist, uh, Kevin Lings, who is well known in the, in the economic field in South Africa. And he spoke a lot around the, 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 the growth or lack of growth in South Africa. Um, and, but he, he did what I found very interesting. He tried to pick out a few positives about the economy. And I thought that's what we maybe look at this evening rather than on the negative growth and a few other negative factors perhaps. Okay. So what was he actually saying? Well, what, what nuggets does he actually have for us to actually grow this economy? Yes. Well, well to be perfect, well, it's, it's, it's the positives which are currently in the economy rather than, than, than things which will grow the economy. I have to be honest with you, I personally think he was clutching a little bit of straws. But, <laughs> but we have to look for positives where we can. I mean, our economy is not in a great state. So he mentioned that we did have a very good State of the Nation speech uh, back in March. Um, a lot of positive rhetoric coming out of that, and uh, and he says if if we can start acting on some of the promises that our president is making in that speech, then then we'll be heading in the right direction. He also pointed to a reasonably disciplined national budget in, in February. That this was not a budget that we wanted to hear. It wasn't a, a, a user or a, or a, a, a consumer friendly budget, and it certainly wasn't a budget friendly to the poor with the increase in the VAT. But it was a disciplined budget, and I'm, and I'm afraid in South Africa at the moment, this is what we need more than anything: is, is our government to be disciplined in its own spending. He obviously, uh, and this is something that has been well in the media, he pointed to a change to the government's approach to the state-owned enterprises, SAA, Danel, ESCOM, places like that, a replacement of boards, a replacement of CEOs, um, a hot, quite a hard stance against the state-owned enterprises by Travon Gordon, the, the minister now responsible for that, and, um, and he pointed that as a, as a positive sign. He obviously looked at Moody's uh, leaving the R rating unchanged back uh, a few weeks ago. And, of course, and whether this will work or not, he pointed to President Ramaphosa's pledge to turn the tide of corruption in South Africa. So, like I said just now, the rhetoric is sounding good. So let's see if, if our president is going to keep to his word. And if he does, then we should start seeing some positive changes in our economy here. It certainly sounds like there are at least some positives that we could be looking at. Um, but Ken, I just wanted to ask very quickly, in terms of uh, these reports that come out, um, what impact, do they have any type of impact on um, how the markets move or in terms of uh, sentiment generally, or do they sort of serve as a way for investors or the economics community to reflect on what's already happened and plan a way for Well, the latter is more correct. They certainly don't have any impact on on what's happening economically or on the markets in South Africa. Uh, As Kevin Lings, as a chief economist at Stanlib, all financial institutions, banks and investment companies all have economists working for them and and normally somebody, uh, what they call a chief economist. And these people come out with reports and really just comments on the economy and how they see it and how they see it going forwards and and sometimes just making it a little bit simpler for those of us who don't know as much to understand what, what an inflation rate or a change inflation rate means or what a, a Moody's rating means and, and they make it clearer to us and it does help these financial institutions and they do help financial institutions to plan their own uh, strategy towards approaching the, the economy and, and how they make investments, how the fund managers would make investments based on what they expect to happen in the future. They're almost like, for want of a better word, fortune tellers. They're, they're trying to look into the future to try and predict where our economy is going to go over the next, say, say 12 to 18 months in particular. 
So um, they, they are, they have downgraded. They expected a spend, they've expected a growth rate of 1.5% in the economy this year. They've downgraded that to 1.3% because of the retraction in the first quarter. And that sadly is not good news. We, we need to be growing on economy substantially higher than that. But we've been saying that for years and it, unfortunately it doesn't seem to be happening. Huh? That was us on the line with our financial expert, Ken Swetton, and giving us a roundup of the week's uh, business and economics news. As you heard, we were talking about uh, and the economics report that recently came out from Stanlimp's uh, chief economist talking about some of the positives in the economy, uh, particularly um, the state of the nation address um, and the like. And it's, uh, as he said, it's sort of a crystal ball uh, sort of situation where economists are trying to see um, where is our economy actually going based on where we've been and what the current situation is. So we actually wait to see um, how the rest of 2018 is going to go and if uh, some of these positives that are being spoken about will actually manifest in economic growth or whether their 1.3% that's forecast is actually going to end up being a reality on the ground. So that's it in terms of that on the other side of this we get into our buffalo index as we tell you the state of your 100 rand keep it locked this is 88.1 business rap with ken sweatman The Business, business buzz. buzz. In studio, we are honored to have Bonolo Mashilo. She is from Bonolo Mashilo Designs. When you are designing in your creative process, do you follow the techniques you were taught at school and what sets your designs apart? I don't really follow any techniques. Fashion comes to me naturally. When the client walks in, just from the way she walks, from the way she's dressed when she walks in, from the way she speaks, from the colors that she's wearing when she comes for her first concert, I already know what I want to put her in. And regardless of what's trending at that time, I can already visualize what this lady would look good in because I specialize in um, ladies' wear. Tune in to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Power FM. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz is live right here on your favorite voice of Vitz 88.1. And right now it's time for us to get into the Buffalo Index. That's a part of the show where we let you know the state of your 100 rand today. And uh, I'm joined in studio by uh, my producer. I have uh, Lingham Sundo. How are you? I'm good, Madiwa. How are you doing? Uh, no, no, I'm all right. Uh, so today we're talking about... Uh, Certain green things, <laughs> some, some plants. Some plants that get people excited. Yeah. So what do you have for us? So today for the Buffalo Index, I've decided not to talk about how much weed you can get illegally. Ah. Because there's <laughs> no, official, no official statistics around this. Yeah. Um, although there are some websites that um, touch on this via, you know, crowdsourcing information around the, the subject. It really depends on where you're buying and the quality. So if you yeah. want to find out, I'm sure you will. <laughs> but what we are covering today in, um, in our Buffalo Index is what is legal in South Africa, which is hemp. Or CBD oil. Yeah. So, cannabidiol is one of the many compounds in in cannabis, and it can be bought in an oil form. Yeah. Often without the THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient in the weed. Yeah. Um, and the medical research on this is still pretty scarce, but people do use it in the treatment of all kinds of um, illnesses, ranging from um, anxiety, cancer to pain. Mm. 
It's a bit pricey though. So for about 30 liters, milliliters uh, of drops, um, which can come in flavors like cinnamon or citrus twist, um, you would be letting go of four buffaloes. Really? Yes, and that's just a start a start of the range. Wow. Um, and for the stronger drops, it can go up to 12 buffaloes or even more for that little bottle. Mm. So there must be something precious there. No, no, there must be because <laughs> if you're if you're saying uh, you said thirty milliliters, yeah, thirty that's milliliters, sixty spoons. That's very tiny. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> so, um, so but if you go on it on it with uh, a couple of friends, maybe three friends, um, you can get a third of that little bottle um, and see if it's worth the investment. There are. Uh, a whole lot of other products um, which are made, um, such as industrial hemp. Yeah. And from fabrics to edible powders, um, hemp really comes from the same plant species, um, cannabis sativa, uh, as, as the drug. But it's it's usually regulated not to have as high um, amount of the psychoactive um, levels. Okay. okay. So... Um, and then lastly, mm. you could choose to take a completely different different um, route and see weed as an investment opportunity, yeah. like Canada is doing. And Canada is set to legalize marijuana very soon in the next few weeks or months, and the market has really been revving up. Um, for instance, Afria, which is a um, cannabis producer in Canada, if you had invested with them in February 2016, um, a buffalo um, today would have had a return on your investment of up to 2181 rand and that's a that's a really significant return mm. or with uh, canopy growth corporation which is one of the biggest cannabis producers in the world and produces industrial hemp medical marijuana and more if you had invested a buffalo um, in them a year ago that would now be worth 3964 Rand. That is some impressive. That's uh, pretty impressive. Mm, mm. So, you know, even though it is very close in, in Canada, and if you've missed the boat with Canada, you can still keep your ear on the ground yeah. and pay attention to um, trends within other countries and see how you can capitalize on 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 any of the um, applications there. Okay, so which one would you have? Would you buy weed stocks or would you buy the weed oil? Hmm. <laughs> I would first I would I would definitely look at the cost of production yeah. uh versus the final uh the pricing of the final goods yeah. and 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 see based on uh, the demand and what people are demanding more than anything else whether it's the medicinal versus the the leisurely consumption and yeah. see um uh, what makes more sense in terms of also like turnover as well as like the return on the invest- investment like so if I see that you know the leisurely is selling more and it has a greater demand than the medicinal maybe i would go that go that route so depending on where i can make the most money basically okay that's how i would choose i would go for the stocks why because uh, i've actually noticed that of late um i don't know how else to put it you know like how when you you have cigarettes yeah. cigarettes they come in a box and a pack and everything mm-hmm. so i was actually the other day machine gun kelly is a rapper was doing an interview and he had a box and he was showing off a box of these uh because um weed recently became legalized in america so it's now becoming commercial so people are actually now doing pre-packaged uh joints i don't know what other word to use <laughs> but yeah they come in packaging yeah. they have packets they yeah. have like it's 
becoming quite an industry. That's also an opportunity. Maybe I'd go into the less controversial, just maybe go into the packaging side of things. (laughs) (laughs) I still make a ton of money, but like at least I'll be like, you know, no controversy there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the state of your 100 rand as it pertains uh, to cannabis. Um, As you heard, there's some investments that you can make um, in, in, in some cannabis companies especially in Canada and you can also invest in some uh, some cannabis oil and uh, for me it's it's still on the investment side that's that's where I'd go uh, but that's it for today on the other side of this we actually get into our main topic keep it locked this is the business buzz the, the business buzz Remember that you can keep in touch with us. That's voice, uh, voice of Vitz, Vow FM on Facebook. We are the business, uh, buzz as well. You can also find us. Uh, we've got the Vitz Radio Academy uh, Facebook page. That's where you can find all our content. And then on Twitter, we are hashtag business buzz. And then our handle is at Vow FM. It's time for us to get into our main topic for today. <clears throat> and as you heard, we are talking about cannabis. We're talking about daha. We're talking about marijuana. We're talking about the herb. We're talking about the happy grass so that's uh, that's how the show is going i know that a lot of people have different names um for this stuff uh, but what we're trying to look at for today is uh, the business case for it uh, some of the economic uh, considerations um that are out there because um i know that uh, for a lot of people when it comes to um, marijuana especially where it is in terms of legislation at the moment it's being um, legislated for medical use but other people want it to become more mainstream so that it can also be used for uh, recreational use so we're very interested to know uh, what the economics will be either on retailers on the farming side on the communities um, I hear that um, I think a kg of cannabis in, uh, in South Africa especially in some of the poorer communities is actually being sold at a thousand rand yeah at, a, at about a thousand rand um, a kg whereas on the world market you could sell the same kg for fifty thousand rand you know things like that and these are some of the things we want to see is it possible to actually make money off the industry in a legal way and to start the conversation off we're actually joined um, by uh, Myrtle Clark who is uh, from uh, who is famous for being part of uh, the Dacha couple and she's also from uh, Fields of Green and she's an activist for the legalization of cannabis in South Africa how are you Myrtle? <coughs> Hi, I'm fine, thanks. I'm fine. Thanks for having me on the show. This is my alumni, so it's always special to speak to Voice of <laughs> Thank you, and thank you so much for being on the show. Um, as you heard, uh, we are trying to focus on the business side of legalization of marijuana in South Africa. And I wanted to just start off our discussion uh, with your submission uh, to the 40th meeting of the World Health Organization's Expert Committee on Drug Dependence held in Geneva, Switzerland last week, um, where you actually cited that uh, we need to be mindful that marijuana has many uses outside of it being used for medical uses and you also as you reminded people that it's also used for traditional and cultural uses as well in the South African context so with that in mind um, what is the economic case for actually um, legalizing marijuana because uh, it's already happened um, we can we have understood what some of the medical benefits would be but on the economic side what are some of the things that um, lawmakers could be taking into consideration? 
I think that the most important thing to remember is that it's obviously in an underground way, um, uh, cannabis dacha is contributing to our economy enormously. You know, it's, um, but it's all in the underground. And if we could get all of the existing cannabis farmers, the cultivators, the traders, the users to come out from the darkness and join the legitimate economy and the traders to pay their tax and to the, the people in the informal sector to join the formal sector, that can only be a boost to our economy. You know, I think that that's, that's really quite obvious. But then earlier you were talking about packaging. And um, and it, the, the lady you were speaking to made a very good point that she might want to get into the packaging industry as opposed to actually selling the weed. And we've always said everybody now, if it's going to be legal, everybody wants to grow weed. But there is far more money to be made in the support industries. You know, it's not just a joint on the couch. That joint has to get to the couch somehow. <laughs> you know, there's distribution, there's packaging, there's... Um, technology services which is really important because if you think of the rural farmers who are quite isolated they're being victimized by the police their crops are being sprayed and whatever now imagine every single one of those rural farmers has access to a smartphone now that rural farmer could join a co-op where he can sell his crop he can have it tested for quality and it can all be done by means of technology so that's a huge thing to get into. All these clever stoners out there who sit down their computers all day, that's use. You know, so bringing the existing cannabis economy out from the underground and making it legitimate, is it's there already. You know, it's not something new. We're not making a new cannabis economy. We're making the existing economy legitimate. And I think it's going to take a lot of hard work. But I think that that can only boost our legitimate economy in South Africa. So in terms of moving um, away from the black market, how and making it actually mainstream when it comes to um, the legalization side and the economic considerations, how do we do it in a way where it actually becomes beneficial for all? Because I've uh, I've actually read in some cases that uh, some people argue to say that um, if it's legalized, the farming, for example, might become a big commercial enterprise that only a few entities might actually start benefiting from. So how do we, in, in moving it, like you said, out of um, the darkness, uh, using uh, using your term, how do we make sure that it's done in a way where people across the board um, end up actually benefiting from it? I think these are some of the issues that perhaps uh, legislators might be thinking about how do we do this in an equitable way? Yes, and it's a very, very important question, especially since we're watching what's happening in Canada with the big licensed producers. I mean, there's even some top cops who are part of licensed producers, and they've been arresting people all these years, and now they're getting into the business. In South Africa, the only way to do that, there's only one way to do that, and that is by starting with the farmers and the traditional healers. So those people, you have to start in those communities, and it's already happening. There's groups forming all over South Africa. So you don't go from a point of view of a license, because this license idea, I don't know who thought up of it, first of all. <laughs> you know, it's, it seems like South Africa just wants to follow in this license thing, just like sheep, because all of the other countries that are moving towards legalization talk about licenses. 
Why do we have to talk about license? We can talk about registration of your business. Because if you, with the license issue, it's a case of the government, the legislators playing God. They're going to play God and decide you're allowed a license, but I'm not allowed a license. I've got a a criminal record for my use of cannabis, so therefore I'm excluded. I don't have enough money, so I'm excluded. I live in a a small uh, rural area, so I'm excluded. But if you start with the whole process with the traditional healers and the farmers in a co-op situation, there will be space for everybody. Of course, there's going to be your big producers. I mean, the Canadians and the Israelis have been sniffing around South Africa forever, at least for the last five years. You know, they're already coming and they want to steal our sun. So if we get the farmers together, which is already happening, the traders together, the existing uh, 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 cannabis community together, and we work it from grassroots up. It's not up to the Medical Controls Council. It's not up to the alcohol board or whoever they want to give it to. It's up to the people that are there already and already mobilizing. There's a lot going on in the background. Um, I like the fact that you've brought up the Canadians and the Israelis, especially um, when you're saying that they've shown interest in the South African market uh, for at least five years now. I know that there's a, there's a, there's I think they called LGC Capital from Canada, which is already um, investing in research and development and actually have a major stake in House of Hemp, which is in Durban. So, in your view, should local businesses and uh, possible investors be doing more to put pressure? on legislators because we know sometimes that in terms of lobbying power sometimes uh, the people with the money are actually then able to move the needle on some of these issues well you know that's exactly why we're doing this in the court and we're activists not lobbyists we don't speak (laughs) to the government we're alert to the government we're fighting them in court because South Africa has a a world class constitution we've probably got the best constitution in the whole world so that is why we decided right eight years ago that we were going to do this through the court. Well, we were arrested, so we had to do this through the court. And then once the Constitutional Court has given its decision, then we go to the government because all the evidence is on the table. So the government can't come and say, oh, it's a gateway drug. Well, we proved in court that it's not. So that's a very good starting point. Um, to for, for activists and civil society to get in there before the big people come with their sacks full of money to steal our son. See, so that's that's a, a very um, unique point of view for South Africa. It's never been done this way through the Constitution anywhere in the world. So once we've got that foundation laid, then we'll have a voice with that parliamentary committee that decides. And we've got our evidence to back us up. But the biggest problem that we're facing is research into the economic climate surrounding cannabis in South Africa at the moment. Because it's been illegal for such a long time, we need economic research. And this is where the the foreigners can help us. They can help us by coming in with their expertise, teaming up with South Africans, South African economists, South African people who know about everything to do with money, and they can come and support and fund research. Even things like quality testing and setting up hubs and co-ops and all of that sort of thing, that is where we can use foreign money. But if they come in and they sort of 
one foot on our soil, okay, and they don't comply with our BE regulations, and they start trying to buy off government ministers and whatever, we'll, we're watching, we'll see them. <laughs> because what happened with OBC Capital is they've pulled out of the deal. They, they are no longer in South Africa because LGC Capital are actually a pump and dump operation. And they were coming in, trying to get in the back door through House of Hemp, okay, trying to get and pay their way in before it's even legal. You can't go and grant somebody a license, not that they ever got any license, but you can't come and grant somebody a license when it's still illegal and our citizens are being arrested in the streets. That's what happened in Lesotho and Zimbabwe, you know. So... We have to watch this very, very carefully, and we have to rein in the foreign capital. Yes, we need their money, but you come and comply by our rules first, and you make sure that your company is above 75% black-owned. And then we'll say thank you very much for your money, and we'll share our sunshine. <laughs> so, uh, just bringing in the, the issue of uh, the, the foreign countries, um, you mentioned Zimbabwe and Lesotho just now. Um, what is actually some of the things that we as South Africa could learn um, from those cases? Because I think a lot of people um, uh, actually look at those two countries as being progressive when it comes to this particular area. But um, it sounds as if uh, there's actually hasn't been anything that's happened in these areas no no nothing's actually happened and uh, I don't want to knock the situation in our in our neighboring countries because it's very very good that the conversation has started you know but they were a little bit um, they were a little bit ahead of their time we went on a fact-finding mission to to Lesotho in March and uh, we went and spoke to the farmers and we went and spoke to the rusters who were being arrested all of the, all the time. And we've also met with quite a few of the, of the majorly white-owned South African companies that have been granted licenses in Lesotho. There are six companies. And they're having a lot of problems there with, with their actual growing operations. You know, Lesotho is an incredibly harsh country. It has a, a very, very uh, hectic climate. You know, and um, it's a very, very high altitude, very cold in winter. And we've already heard of some big grow operations that have just been blown away by the wind. So I think because Lesotho rushed into it, granted these licenses, the people came in from the outside and they imposed their growing methods. They came in with seeds from Europe. They didn't look at the matakwani that's there already. They didn't look at the, what the farmers are growing already that suited to that climate and and came in with their expertise and made them um, made them aware that they could take that land raised plant, that proper Lesotho Matakwani and make it better instead of coming in and imposing bringing their seeds from Europe. So that's what happened in Lesotho and we do believe that um, the government have put a little bit of brakes on granting the licenses and they're looking at why they're arresting their citizens. You know, there's, there's various people who have made the Lesotho government aware that they were just putting the cart before the horse. And then very similar in Zimbabwe, although in Zimbabwe, the, the licenses we hear are going for $50,000. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> that license for $50,000. Then all of a sudden, there was a huge rush of applications. And the citizens are still being arrested in the street. And then when they got their applications in, in Zimbabwe, they looked at them 
and they realized that one person was saying, oh, you can make $20 million a month. And another person was saying, oh, you can make $100 million a month. They, there wasn't, the content of the applications wasn't consistent. And here's, we've got to really applaud the, the new Zimbabwean government because they will put, put the brakes on it and they've decided, and it was, re- uh, it was reported in, in the Zimbabwean newspapers, that they are going to first wait, go back to the drawing table and set this up properly. Because it came just suddenly out of a blue, oh, Zimbabwe's open for licenses. So the conversation is happening. We're so happy about it. We know that the conversation is also happening in Botswana and Namibia. So Swaziland, you know, Swaziland's a bit of the Wild West, but hopefully it's going to be shifting there because we've got to all shift together, you know. South Africa can't legalize and then it's, it's, it's illegal in our neighbors. We're all one in Southern Africa. Thank you so much. That was us on the line. We were talking to Myrtle Clark. Uh, she is uh, an activist for the legalization of cannabis in South Africa, and she is one half of the Dhaka couple, and also stands as the managing director of Fields of Green for All. She was just giving us some roundup. As you heard, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of legal issues that are still um, being dealt with when it comes to the issue of legalization. And but more than anything else, she's telling us that there's a lot of money to be made and we need to find ways to empower our people through the growing and selling of cannabis in South Africa. On the other side of this, we're actually going to be talking to someone who is working closely with some farmers um, in some of the developing community communities and to hear his take on what cannabis could mean for the South African economy. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Welcome back. This is the Business Buzz. We're talking the business of cannabis, the business of weed. We're talking uh, the herb with happy grass and uh, obviously marijuana. That's so. That's how some people pronounce this word. But yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, the business of weed, and we just came from talking to uh, Myrtle Clark uh, from Fields of Green, who was giving us um, a broad um, overview of what uh, the industry is looking like and the battles uh, that are being fought to legalize it in South Africa. Uh, but on the line, we are now joined uh, by Dave Martin, who is the co-founder of the Bulungula um, Incubator, which is a rural. Development Development NGO. Uh, we're going to just be talking to him about um, some of the economic benefits of actually growing it um, from the farming point of view. How are you, Dave? Yeah, I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, we just came from uh, talking to a Myrtle Clark who is from Fields of Green, and it uh, sounds like there's um, a lot of potential uh, to grow uh, some of our communities through the growth of uh, marijuana in some of the developing communities. Um, what is your view on this? Could uh, the growth of marijuana actually help to um, add much need? capital and money into some of the poor communities in South Africa? Yeah, so, so I, I live and work in one of the most remote parts of the former Transkei um, and my interest in this uh, debate is specifically looking at how we can use this once-off opportunity to transform our economy to the benefit of the poorest people. Um, you know, if I can give an example, if you think back, you know, 25, 30 years ago when 
cell phones came onto the scene and there was that unique opportunity we had at the time and we didn't realize it. If you can imagine knowing what we do now, if we could have changed the way that the, the cell phone companies were owned and because all we had to do was give them a license and then they made, you know, tens and tens of billions of rands and we could have really changed, you know, the, 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 the reality that we see that the usual suspects always benefit from new econ uh, economic opportunities. So it's the same thing with marijuana at the moment. We have this, there's this gap in the next year or two where the first movers are going are gonna to get all the benefits. And, you know, we've seen Canada and the States move very quickly. Lesotho is moving quickly now, Zimbabwe as well. And I worry that South Africa is going to be left behind. Um, the, big, the big opportunity that I see for South Africa uh, in terms of helping the poorest of the poor is to try and make sure that, that when it comes to growing cannabis, that it's going to be designated areas only that can grow. Because if we just open it up for anyone can apply for a license, it's quite clear who's going to get the benefits. The guys are currently growing uh, tomatoes and flowers and things in greenhouses. They'll just change over in a matter of months and they will be making crazy money, you know, millions of rands per hectare. Um, you know, so, so we don't want that to happen because that just reinforces existing inequalities. So what I'm hoping for is that government will designate areas of high rural poverty like the former Transkai parts of KwaZulu and other areas, particularly the former homelands, let's say, as the only areas where people can grow for um, commercial purposes. I, I feel that people who want to grow for their own personal use, that's a different issue and you know, anyone should be allowed to do that. But those are going to grow and sell it at scale to the medical and the recreational market. I think this is an opportunity to... Um, to the, um, um, uh, as he saw, as he's sorting that out, um, I just wanted to also check uh, with you um, because we know that uh, cannabis is being grown in all of these communities, and as Myrtle said, uh, we have uh, the issue of uh, farmers and uh, traditional healers and uh, bringing them on board. So the question I was going to ask is, in terms of some of the global trends, um, do you have other countries in mind that have found ways in which cannabis can be grown? Um, because you're talking about them being grown, uh, about it being grown in designated areas. Has that been done anywhere else? Is there a model that can actually be shown to South African legislators to say it's been done there, we can do it in South Africa? Well, I mean, it's all very new at the moment. So you've got, I mean, the, the, the biggest sort of, uh, let's say, uh, well, existing markets out there are in the medical sector, um, you know, in America is well known um, for that. Um, and then, you know, the recreational side is, 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 is just um, sort of emerging now. Um, but, but what I know is that, for example, in South Africa, there, there's um, investors um, from uh, South African investors who wanted to set up big medical marijuana growing operations in South Africa. And they've got such a runaround from the various regulatory authorities here that they've now moved into Lesotho. And the suitors welcome them with open arms, and they've got huge operations that they're busy setting up there that are going to producing. Um, they're aiming to be producing 80 tons of marijuana uh, a year now, 
um, you know, to get an idea of just how much money that is. I mean, that's, that's multiple, multiple billions of rands, you know, that, that we could be earning. And so I don't think it's a particularly difficult uh, thing to set up regulation-wise. I mean, we're already growing like, the source uh, plants for, for example, morphine, right, which is also an opiate um, and many other opiates that we use in the medical industry. And obviously that can also be used to, to make heroin. And so there, there's licenses around how you grow that. But I, I feel like this regulatory thing is, is a bit of a, a red herring, you know, because people are treating it like this incredibly dangerous substance that we need to have all sorts of very sort of stringent controls. And it, it just creates this absurd situation where the legal guys are going to be growing things indoors, inside, you know, greenhouses and all sorts of security. And then everyone else, you know, here in the trans guy, everyone's growing it just outside in the field. And, you, you know, the guys growing it outside are going to get one rand a gram and the guys growing it inside, you know, are going to get 50 rand a gram, you know. And, 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 and again, you just end up with these two economies. It's such a problem in South Africa. So I think the, the main regulation I think we need to look at is actually the, um, the, the designating of where this can be grown legally to avoid just the, the existing commercial farmers making all the money. <laughs> As someone who actually works with the farmers, um, something I was very, uh, I was very interested to know about is when we t- when we're framing this legalization debate and the business around it, we we're, we're usually framing it around it being fully legalized. But in terms of the little that's already been done, especially uh, now that uh, medical marijuana is more or less. Uh, becoming allowed has that bit of legalization actually benefited um some of these farming communities that you work with yeah not at all right so that's the problem is that is that because the, the medical side of things has got all i mean i don't know if you've read the regulations of what's required in order to get a license but it is I mean, for a small farmer, you know, farming in the in the villages in the Transkei, there's just no way they can comply. I mean, it's all got to be indoors and all sorts of air conditioning, and multiple levels of security, and cameras. And I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous, right? And so, so though it's again, those regulations are steering it towards people with big capitals in cities or just outside the big cities. And so that's where that's going to happen. So the small guys are growing in open fields. They don't fit into the, the, the formal legal market in any way. Of course, there's people all over the country, you know, both in the cities and in the rural areas making cannabis oils and, and all sorts of other products illegally. Um, and those are, you know, people are making money out of that, but it's all in the illegal market. And so the risk here is, is, is twofold. I mean, the one hand is there's this opportunity that if we, if we legalize it in an in a intelligent way that actually pushes things towards these areas, we could actually uplift people dramatically just in a year or two, you know, out of poverty. But uh, on the other hand, like your question implies, is that if we, if we don't do that, the people who are just, you know, putting their kids through school and kids through universities, as is happening now, through the sale of illegal marijuana, they risk losing everything. So you risk taking the poorest part of the country and making it even poorer because who's going to mission all the way, you know, it's a 14-hour drive from Cape Town or Joburg all the way out to the Transkei. If you could legally buy it from a guy growing it just outside the city um, on those fields that are currently growing spinach or tomatoes, why would you even bother coming out all this way to the middle of nowhere? So, so 
we really got to be careful here. So in answer to your question, no, people aren't benefiting. And the big worry is, is that they'll actually lose everything. That they, The little that they have, they'll lose it if, if, if we don't manage this in a sensible way. And then uh, lastly, outside of growing and uh, just selling of uh, cannabis, um, what are some of the supporting industries um, that uh, I guess the farmers or the local communities could actually benefit from? Um, We heard earlier on um, in one of our features the fact that now packaging of uh, some of these uh, some of these weed products is becoming a big industry. So would you estimate to say that in the same way that tobacco auction floors or curing houses, for example, are something that benefit people that are not just um, tobacco farmers, that uh, people that offer that that there could be people who support um, cannabis farmers um, with other ancillary services? Look, that's not much of a thing at the moment um, people the main income is from directly either from cannabis cannabis buds or the oils that's the primary income but yes you know if you if you could shift if you could be producing I mean to give you an example in America right the the, 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 the current cannabis industry there is roughly 50-50 between medical and recreational and it's about 50 billion rand on recreational 50 billion rand on medical um, and by 2021, they're predicting that it will be about 200 billion rand on recreational and uh, 150 billion rand on recreational and still about 50 on, on medical. And to put those numbers in context, that's bigger than our entire platinum mining industry. Wow. So even if we can get a fraction of that into these areas where there's literally nothing, I mean, at the moment, the former trans guys, is pretty much the mid- 90% of income is just social grants and remittances from mine workers on the mines coming back, sending money home to their families. So you've got this kind of magic moment now where if we're clever with our, our, um, with our regulation, we can push these kind of, that, those kind of numbers into areas where there's really nothing at the moment. But the, the problem is, is that in two or three years' time, uh, whoever moves first is going to get this market. You know, there's not, you know, if, if, if it's our neighboring countries all start growing, they can easily take, take, become dominant in the market. Canada already has achieved global dominance, and they've got a, a marijuana index on their Toronto Stock Exchange that's already worth over 200 billion, 250 billion rand. So they've got all the capital now, and they're just moving all over the world. As soon as it legalizes in any place, they're moving, they buy up the local companies, and so they're looking to become the global dominant power in, in the cannabis industry. And we've got an opportunity to be that version of, of doing that in the southern hemisphere because obviously our summers and winters are, are, are different in the north and the south. And, and so, you know, this opportunity, if not grabbed by us, will be grabbed by Uruguay, Brazil, or one of the other countries in the south. And then in five years' time, we'll be on the radio saying, geez, we missed out, you know. <laughs> and so I just hope that whoever's in, in the you know, positions of power is actually trying to be nimble on this because government in general is such a slow thing that it can't really grab these opportunities. And I just worry that we're going to be looking back and at another lost opportunity. 
That was us. Thank you so much. Uh, we we're talking to Dave Martin, who is the co-founder of the Bulungula um, Incubator, which is a rural development NGO, um, giving us some of the insights of what it means um, to actually be farming cannabis in South Africa at the moment, talking about uh, some of the benefits that could happen if it became mainstream. On the other side of this, we're coming to the end of our show. Keep it locked. This is 88.1. More justice on the business bar. It's time for us to come to the end of the show today. We were talking about uh, the business of cannabis. Uh, if you are one of those people that's uh, interested in marijuana, cannabis, the herb, uh, then uh, this was definitely a show uh, that I hope you will go out and share with your people. Um, just some thoughts around this particular issue. I think um, with the way that trends are going, um, I agree with both Dave Martin and Myrtle Clark to say that um, right now, South Africa is on the precipice of a moment um, that could uh, be used um, either for the good of uh, South Africans as a whole or it's just going to be taken by the few and profit just a few. I loved the example that uh, Dave gave of uh, cell phones back in the 90s to say, had we known how big uh, the telecoms companies were going to go, perhaps we would have awarded those licenses in a different way, uh, way back way back. The, uh, way back then in a way that would have maybe promoted or actually helped people to actually uh, to say that in 10 years time certain communities will have ownership and uh, the profits from let's say Vodacom, Celsius, MTN uh, will actually be plowed back there because you know they have the ownership but this is the type of moment and these are some of the business considerations um, that South Africans need to be thinking about and uh, the lawmakers should actually be thinking about how they're actually going to be implementing this. As far as I'm concerned the legalization of marijuana in South Africa is an eventuality it's not something that might or might not happen it's just a matter of time and especially uh, as I said the fact that uh, the trend is towards um, the legalization especially the fact that we've already legislated part of it I mean the foot is already in the door. What we need to do is to make sure that when we open the door it's actually going to benefit um, people around the world. And the other point is just the fact that South African local businesses actually need to do a lot to make sure that um, they end up doing, they end up being the ones who benefit the most. Um, we don't want a local industry um, that ends up being taken over or run uh, by foreign entities. Not to say that foreign entities are bad, um, because I mean South African companies exist in other countries, but just to say that uh, South Africans need to actually benefit from their resources. This is one of the biggest um, issues that's actually um, going on at the moment, especially when it comes to industries like mining, for example, where people say that uh, we as South Africa have not benefited as much as we should have uh, because a lot of money is being taken out of the country. So I hope that uh, our legislators uh, will be listening to the Business Buzz show uh, because you can catch us same time, same place next week uh, from 6 to 7 p.m. Otherwise, you can uh, keep in touch with us and tell us some of your thoughts on these issues. We are voice 
of Vits. That's Vow FM on Facebook. And you can also find all our content on the Vits Radio Academy Facebook page. On Twitter, we're at Vow FM and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us on WhatsApp. That's 0840784912. And you can also stream the station live um, on vowfm.co.za. And then you can also find us, uh, our podcasts are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. And then you can also uh, go and find all our episodes there. They do exist. And as I've said, uh, we do exist on iTunes. So you can definitely go and find us there. On the other side of this, we are coming to the end of the show, like I said, but don't turn that down. Um, because uh, we've got the team for for Life Beats uh, that's coming up next. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much uh, to everyone who's been listening to our show. Uh, thank you to the, the production team, to my uh, executive producer, that's Alma Schutz, our producer, Slingiwe Mzondo. And then our technical production is done by... Kutluano Serame. On the other side of this, as I said, we've got a life beats. Keep it locked. This is 88.1. More justice on the business bars. Listen to the business bars every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Bauer FM. The Business Bars Podcast.